Okay, well, let's get straight into it. Uh, today, I'm going to talk to you and continue the Christmas series uh, about how God is faithful, okay? And so I'm going to talk about how God is with us in our waiting. Uh, and then tomorrow, Pastor Paul will, thank you, uh, talk about God here uh, with us. So let's go straight into the Word of God. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read from verses 25 to 33. And this is from the New Living Translation. Let me read it. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting. Everyone say waiting. Waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. And so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, As the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, it's like, you know, the Lion King. And it says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. And Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. A few verses down. Then Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. And she was a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Don't you like the way the Bible describes people? The only thing you can say about her is that she's very old. Right, thanks. I'm starting to get that a little bit. Now, her husband died when they had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. And she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. And she talked about the child to everyone. Everyone say everyone. Who who had been waiting. Everyone say waiting. Expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. And this is the word of the Lord. Let me just pray. Lord God, we just want to thank you for your word. Just pray that you would just bring conviction and a word in season for all of us who might be waiting. Waiting in some way, big or small. Waiting for you and your divine intervention. Pray for your word to come forward with power. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now, we all live in a world of waiting. Now, how many of us likes waiting? Yeah. I saw Robert shake his head straight away. He's like, no, right? Now, none of us like waiting. I don't like waiting. I, 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 I don't think many of us actually like waiting. You know, but with, the honest truth is you can't escape waiting. We all, we all live in a world of waiting, whether it be waiting in traffic or waiting on the phone to speak to the operator. The other day, Kyle was complaining how I was on the phone for like an hour and a half, and then all of a sudden, oh, three hours, sorry, three hours, and then they actually hung up. Like, isn't that painful? After that long, right? Um, you know, some of us have been waiting coffee lines or waiting for the internet or, you know, waiting in the shops to buy presents during this Christmas time. You know, we live in a world of waiting, but there are times in our life where we find ourselves waiting for something significant. Uh, think about that for your life. I know for myself, when I think about my life, I remember waiting for the year 12 results and the placements that some of you guys have just received. And they're waiting because it influences your future career and your future path. 
For some of us are waiting for health outcomes, navigating through the uncertainty whether uh, the treatment's going to go well. For some of us, I remember applying for the senior pastor role here, and I was waiting. That was a long wait. And it was nervous. It's like, what's going to happen if I get it, if I don't get it? Like, what am I going to do? And being in that place of waiting and, and anticipation, or some of us, you know, we've had a pretty rough year. And we're just longing for the season of difficulty to pass. For others, we might have been waiting for a really long time for some of a relational breakthrough. Whether it might be in your marriage, it might be with your children, so that you can see the family come together and for relationships to improve. For some of us, we've been waiting for a life partner and just the anticipation of companionship. What are you waiting for? What have you been waiting for? I don't know about you, but waiting can be filled with a lot of anxiety. I remember it was a few months ago, Eugenia and I celebrated our two-year anniversary, wedding anniversary, and we went to Point Leo uh, Sculpture Park. Yeah? Now, uh, it's been a blessing for Eugenia uh, being in my life. I've learned she's broadened my world. Yeah? So uh, she's broadened my world to eat those green stuff. It's like vegetables or something. Like learning new words like quinoa, tahini, aquafaba, papita, like, like all these words that I've never heard of before and now eating, right? You know, she's brought in my world. And not only that, because she's creative and a little bit artistic, she's brought in my world into the art world. I remember one of my children at those times, you know how they collect all these art paintings and drawings, yeah? And you go, what do I do with them? And then one day he told my teacher, the his school teacher, saying, my dad throws my art away. <laughs> and so here comes Eugenia, and she then, you know, puts it in a beautiful frame and hangs it in our house. Yeah, praise God for Eugenia, yeah? <laughs> uh, Dad throws my art, my mom saves my art, right? And so here, we went to a sculpture park. How many of you guys have been there, Point Leo Sculpture Park? Yeah? Now, I'm not an arty kind of guy, okay? But uh, here, um, it was, uh, you kind of pay for a, uh, an entry fee, and then it's basically a huge kind of landscape with many sculpture pieces, right? And so uh, this one is the one of KAWS course, yeah? Uh, apparently very famous. Um, and then this is, um, sorry, clearly I don't know anything about art, so I'm going to sound cultured, right? Yayoi Kusama, right? And this is a famous pumpkin. How many of us recognize that pumpkin? Or that design with the dots? Yeah, I recognize that, yeah. So anyway, so I walked alongside her, looking interested. <laughs> nodding. Mm-hmm, nodding. Googling. Until I came across this one. And I really like this one. This was by an Australian sculptor. His name was uh, Peter Tilly, an Australian artist. It's called Dreams of the Ordinary. And I really liked what it kind of conjured up. Well, what, what, do you, what do you sense when you watch this and you see this sculpture? It's a sense of opportunity, a sense of waiting, a sense of a door, waiting for a door to open and what's on the other side. And here, the, the, the little phrase, that little slogan at the base of the sculpture, it says, a man is poised at the doorway, 
he seems hesitant to proceed beyond it into the future. And so what's interesting is then when you turn to the side, you see a different picture. Ooh, not deep. And in there, you actually see a boat-shaped kind of concavity where it's filled with water. And here it describes where there's this small boat-shaped hole that awaits. And the stillness of the spectacle, the ambiguity as to whether we are a witness to a moment of trepidation or positive experiences is part of his work. Isn't that a great bit of sculpture? Yeah? Everyone just nod, yes. That was worth $16, amen. Yeah, for a sermon illustration. But sometimes when we wait in life, waiting tends to look like this. You don't actually know what's on the other side. You don't actually know what's coming, but you're waiting. And for us as followers of Jesus Christ, we're waiting for God to come through sometimes. Can I hear an amen? But in that waiting, I don't know what it's like for you in your waiting. What are you waiting for? And what is it like for your waiting? Sometimes, I don't like waiting, and sometimes you like to rush to take matters into your own hands to make things happen. I don't like feeling helpless and anxious. Waiting can bring confusion and makes us question God and go, God must not have meant what he said, or maybe the problem is my ability to hear his voice. Maybe I heard him wrong in the first place. Some of us don't like the waiting because there's a sense of loss of control. There's doubt that kicks in. There's the fear of disappointment. What about confusion? But there's also anticipation and hope of what could be in a sense of adventure. I was speaking to someone the other day who just managed to conceive, uh, to have a baby after trying for a very long time, and doctors saying, you're not going to be able to, and maybe being able to conceive. And after a few miscarriages, but it was like, it's scared to hope while you're waiting to pass the first trimester because you don't want to be disappointed again. What do we do in our time of waiting? And here we find two people waiting. Simeon and Anna. Both waiting in their old age and both waiting in spite of the hardship they've experienced in their own personal life and the hardships they're seeing around them in the nation of Israel. But both waiting, waiting, waiting for God to rescue Israel. And their waiting is symbolic, not just of their own waiting, but of the waiting of the whole world for the advent and the coming of Christ. Can I hear an amen? Yeah? And so what I want to be able to do is deep dive a little bit into this story and share two questions that you can ask yourself that I believe can help us in our time of waiting. So as we see here, we're going to read this, that we find Simeon waiting. It says, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And now when you read that, this is so deeply profound. Here you get an indication for what Simeon was waiting for. He was waiting for the rescue of Israel. In other translations, the consolation or the comfort of Israel. Because throughout the history, the people of Israel has suffered greatly, both for their own sin and because of the oppression of others. Their land was frequently overrun with foreign powers who understood the strategic significance of the land. Because where their land was in Palestine connected Africa, Europe, and Asia. It was a key land bridge 
in the ancient world. But yet here they lived under slavery in Egypt and endured decades of exile. And then here we find in 63 BC, the Roman general Pompey surrounded the city, destroying much of it and killing much of its inhabitants. And through a crushing blow to his people, here we find Simeon waiting, laboring under the rule of Rome with a people desperate need of consolation and comfort. But yet here we find Simeon living with hope that one day things were going to change and that God was going to send his Messiah and life was going to get better than it is now and God will keep his promises. Can I hear an amen? Now we find another person waiting and the name was Anna and this was deeply personal for me and I've shared this in previous sermons. We're here, Anna was a prophet and was also there in the temple, and she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. And I remember reading this, and I shared this before, I'll share it again for those who may not have heard it, but a few years ago, after my late wife had passed away, a year later, I found myself in Denver, Colorado, in America, exactly at this time in Park Church, Denver, Colorado. And here the guy was preaching from this text about Anna. And here was the first time I actually connected with it emotionally, because her story became my story. And here it says, her husband died. Just that statement. And I started crying. And I know some of us here have experienced that kind of loss. You've heard this before, but because now you're walking through that season, it connects with you. It is a word in season. And here it says here, her husband died, and she had been only married for seven years. Can you imagine that? You get married, you have a hope for the future, you're righteous, you're devout, you believe, love God, you believe in God, you want to chase after God, you want to pursue God, and then boom, in seven years, he passed away. And what was so profound, I said, I could feel the pain, I could feel the loss of her waiting. But then it says here, then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. And she never left the temple. Can I hear you know, amen? But she stayed there day and night worshipping God. And here he says, she talked about the child to everyone. She came along when Simeon was there and she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. I mean, think about it. This is a deeply profound thing. Imagine you walk into a temple and I know this is a barn and then you hold a baby. I've got to make sure the baby is dressed, sorry. We need to be PG, okay? And then, like, there's so many babies that come into the temple. And then all of a sudden, Simeon sees this baby Jesus and goes to Mary and says, can I have your baby? Can I have your baby? Oh, thank you. And then you go, he's the one. <laughs> I mean, just imagine that picture, right? This is it. This is the hope of Israel. He's going to rescue the nation. He's going to change your life. You guys are going to go, this guy is cuckoo. Right? I mean, put yourself in that story. It is so confusing. It's like, how is it that Simeon and Anna, when there are probably babies everywhere, and they just happen to pick this baby and just goes, this is the one that we've been waiting for. He is the one that we all have been putting our hope for. This is the one 
who all the prophecies have been spoken about. And I'll better put baby Jesus in a proper way. Yeah. And you know what? This is the question I want to leave with this for the first one. Because what they were waiting for wasn't just the rescue of Israel. They were looking for the rescue of Israel to be found in a person and not in an outcome. Can I hear an amen? amen. Is what you're waiting for found in an outcome or in the person of Jesus? Because they were still under Roman rule. She was still a widow without a husband. But in spite of what they were waiting for, they found it. Because they didn't find out in the fact that the circumstance had changed. They found it in the person of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? I spoke to someone this week. It was such a great story. He was a guy from China. He felt the call to go into church ministry and to share the gospel. And he wanted to volunteer his time to be a pastor. He was a business guy in China. So he grew up in a family where the father was a communist party member, but the wife was, the mother was a nominal Christian. And he was a physics teacher and had taught, then eventually got into business with someone else. And it was quite a successful business. And then, in the meantime, what he had done was that even though he had grown up with some kind of Christian faith, it wasn't real living and active. And while he was in business with his partner, he actually started his own business in the background. And that really ticked off his boss. And so when the boss found out, all hell broke loose. And then he decided to flee that city to go to another city in China to run away. Because that's how mad and angry the boss was. And so while he was in a different city, running away, and it just sounded like his boss must have been very, very influential. And he was considering what to do. He remembered his faith, and he looked up into the sky. He was telling his story, retranslation. He looked up into the sky, and he says, I then prayed to Jesus and God. and said, God, if you will get me through this, I will know you are real. Didn't it sound like Jacob and Esau kind of story? <laughs> yeah. And basically said, my life will be yours. Anyway, long story short, he started building his own company. And in a previous employee from the business before had then joined his company and he had employed him. And within a period of time, then he... Um, then there was one particular situation where he was in his office building and it was surrounded by the police because his previous boss had found out where he was, called the police, and now was going to jail him. In the meantime, that employee was put in there as a bit of a, uh, a guy on his side to, to plant a player, to plant all these documents and stuff to show that he had been stealing and all that kind of stuff to basically corner him and to get him in jail. And so here he was stuck. And here he was in his office, and there was a Bible there and stuff like that, and he was meant to go to jail. And then he said, can I please speak to my boss? And then the boss happened to come, and he saw, as he went to the office to have a chat with him, he saw his Bible on the table. And the boss was just started smiling. 
And he couldn't understand why the boss was smiling. But long, cut the long story short, what had happened was, when he had prayed that prayer to God, two months later, that boss went to the U.S. and came to faith. He accepted the gospel, and that person shared the gospel with him. And as he was being disciple, the disciple was saying, as a Christian, God calls us to forgive our enemies. And even though he knew that, the boss didn't want to do it. And had sought revenge. And here comes this situation. He walks into the office and he sees a Bible. And he's not smiling because he's knocking his faith. He's smiling because he knew now that God was telling him, now is the time to forgive. And so he forgave that guy because he saw that Bible. And he goes, are you a Christian? He goes, I'm a Christian too. And through that, he didn't go to jail. Isn't that amazing? Even more so, they built the relationship up of trust that they were in business again. And then he said this statement. People in China do business like this all the time. But he realized, I said, why do you want to do what you're doing, volunteering your time? And he goes, you know why? Because I believe Jesus can change China. Can I hear an amen? What he was waiting for was not in an outcome, though he got it but it was in the person of Jesus Christ. So much so that he's saying, I'm willing to volunteer my life and my time to make sure people can find this Jesus. Because it won't be business that will change China. It'll be Jesus. Can anyone say amen? What are you waiting for? And is what you're waiting for found in an outcome or in the person of Jesus Christ. Because here we find in Simeon's prayer, God had given him spiritual eyes to see. And he goes, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, because as you have promised, for I have seen your salvation. And here he was able to see that what he was looking for and waiting for was going to be found in this little baby, this person, Jesus. That he was going to be the salvation for all mankind. That salvation is not just something you do, but it's a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus didn't say, follow my teachings and you'll get to heaven. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And he says, come follow me. And here, he had foresight and prophetic insight to be able to see that the person of Jesus is where we hang our hopes on and we can is what I have been waiting for. And then it goes on to say that which you have prepared for all people. Everyone say all people. And this is huge because at that time, they only thought the Messiah was going to come for Israel. But here, he was able to see that this baby Jesus, this person Jesus, was what everyone was hoping for. And with that, in this little baby boy, wrapped, God wrapped in human flesh, was all the expectations and hopes of the world. You know, sometimes in our everyday life, what does it look like in our everyday life? To look, wait for it in the person of Jesus and not just in an outcome. Some of us, we try and look for emotional support, understanding and companionship from friends and family. Super important, super necessary. But we all know sometimes it falls short. But yet, in Jesus, 
He will offer a constant and unwavering presence, and He will never disappoint. Can I hear an amen? You know, we look for validation and self-worth through what we've accomplished, recognition of success in our career and our personal endeavors. Well, we all know that there will be times when things don't go according to plan. Then who are you? What is your worth? But yet in Jesus Christ, we find our identity worth in Christ, knowing that the love of God is not based on your achievements. And here Jesus gives us a perspective beyond worldly success and offers a deeper sense of purpose and fulfillment that you will not find anywhere else. Sometimes we look for comfort and security and accumulation of wealth, but yet in Jesus we can trust God's provision and recognize that true wealth comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Material possessions can provide temporary comfort. But what's that going to mean when you have a health diagnosis over your head that says there is no cure for this? Where are you going to put your hope in? How are you going to wait in that moment? In the person of Jesus. Amen? Now here, the second thing we see is this. Not only do we see what they were waiting for, we see how they were waiting. That is so unique and distinctive. Here, it says here, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous, devout, eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And it says the Holy Spirit, everyone say Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit had not been sent yet in its all its fullness, but yet preceding its time, the Holy Spirit comes upon Simeon. And the Holy Spirit reveals it to him. Because you can't see that through natural eyes. It's with spiritual eyes. The eyes of our heart that God enables us to see via the Holy Spirit. It revealed to him that he will not die until he has seen the Lord's Messiah. And it says that that day, the Spirit led him. Amen? He didn't just make a choice. The Spirit led him into that temple so that when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord required, he then, the two worlds collided. Amen? And he met what he was waiting for his whole life. But yet you see with Anna, when she was waiting, what was incredible, it says here in verse 38, she came along just as, everyone say just as, at the right time in the right place. Just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and then she could see. And she began praising God, and she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue. And my point here is this, that God is working behind the scenes, even in our waiting. Can I hear an amen? You know, David Wilkinson, he's a great preacher of the past. He said this, waiting for God to act, it's probably the most difficult thing about the Christian walk. The hardest part of faith is always the last half an hour. Because you just don't know when it's going to come. And a half an hour could be a half an hour, and a half an hour could be a lifetime, and a half an hour could be a generation, and a half an hour could be 400 years. And this was the last half an hour. And here, even though you read this text, I just want to highlight how God was working behind the scenes, even in the midst of the waiting. That here in this moment, God had worked to break through 400 years of silence. In this moment, God had worked to give a miraculous virgin birth to fulfill Isaiah 7.14. Here, God was fulfilling the prophecies of the birth of Jesus to happen in 
Bethlehem and fulfilling Micah 5.2. Here God was fulfilling the Messiah to come from it as a descendant of David. And here you see the lineage and the line. Here God was calling his son over Egypt as we see in the Gospels, Joseph taking Mary and Jesus to Egypt to escape Herod's massacre, fulfilling Hosea's prophecy. And here we see God aligning Simeon and Anna at the right time and the right place. Because in Deuteronomy it says, it takes two or three witnesses to establish a matter. Can I hear an amen? It was a legal system at that time to say, how do I know whether this is true? Whether this matter is established when there's two or three witnesses. And here in some divine moment, we have symbolically represented Simeon, a man, and a woman, both in their old age, at the right time, at the right place, both waiting the redemption of Israel, symbolically representing the waiting of the world, and coming to this point at the same time, the same place, espousing the same messianic hope, and saying, He is the one. Can I hear an amen? How are you waiting? Because you know what? It is hard to wait. And that's why David Wilkinson, when he says the faith is always hard, the hardest part of faith is always the last half an hour. It's because sometimes when we're waiting, we want to give up. But I want to encourage you to hold on just a little longer. You feel like the dream is not going to come to reality, but God is saying to you, just hold on. Hold on. Hold on a few more minutes. Hold on a few more weeks. Hold on a few more years because your victory is around the corner. And I cannot tell you how many people I've met who've had a word from God, but the answer is slow in coming. And they have abandoned hope and now living a life of mediocrity. Who wants to live a life of mediocrity? No, because we have a faith that calls us to live higher. But if they had just waited a little longer, all the things that God had spoken would have come true. But they have withdrawn from faith, withdrawn from valor, withdrawn from vision and purpose, and living a life of quiet desperation because they no longer trust God or believe Him for greater things. They're moving and waiting in their own strength without the power of God. But yet here, when you can see that God is working behind the scenes in your waiting, then you can wait with hope. Can I hear an amen? I just get a worship team to come up. I've shared multiple things in terms of my own life, but I, I always want to blend life and the text, okay? to make it real. But I really believe this. Because there's some things that we're waiting for, you're not going to see that outcome in this lifetime. Just like Anna. But what do you do in that waiting? What do you do in that waiting? But yet what really helps me is to see that God is actually at work in my waiting. I remember when I had my cancer, it was in the old church building. I was just living in Dixon Street. Right? And I'll be in full pain. I'd have a nasogastric tube. I had an ulceration all over. I couldn't be bothered going to church. But yet I remember I need to be in the temple. Amen? And as I come there, we sang this song, Blessed Be Your Name. And there was this verse that said, Blessed be your name on a road marked with suffering. 
Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. And I realized in that moment, there's an offering that can, I can only offer to God in pain that you cannot offer at any other time in your life. And there God was working to lift my hands in worship when my body was in pain, helping me wait with faith and hope. When my parents were going through a divorce, I was the youngest in my family. How do you build your life like that? Because whatever they've sown into my life has been great, but I saw a world crumble. But yet in that moment, I was in Shepparton, my first year out of uni, learning how to own my own money and live by myself. And then I come across Matthew 7, where it says these are not foundational, these are not just words to do, you know, to talk about, to muse over, but these are words to build a life on. Amen? Foundational words. And I go, oh, for that moment, I really believe God was working this into my heart. That if you're going to build your life, build it on this. Because nothing will fall if you build it on this. God was working in my waiting. When I lost my late wife to a brain hemorrhage five years ago, I was like, I need to talk to someone about this. I talked a little bit to Max, but who else could I talk to that's unique to my situation? And then God in His provision bought uh, one of the manyards, right, that I managed to be able to speak to as a young 40-year-old, six months in his grieving journey, being able to share how he walked that path of grief. I managed to a connection to speak to Bill Brown, who's the senior, his previous senior pastor at uh, Sindel Baptist. And then I heard what it's like to walk through grief as a senior pastor. I happened to speak to a GP who was a wife of a friend of mine who was a dentist, going to be professor, and he had a sudden heart attack in the dental hospital, and he died. And he left his wife, who's a GP, with a three-month-old. And that helped me to go, uh, God opened the door, an opportunity, and I managed to speak to her about how do you raise young children when you're walking through a season of grief? God was working in my waiting. The provision of support here. I had a GP friend who was able to help me with all the, because Wei used to be a doctor, my late wife, and so all the medical things I didn't have to worry about, but now that was gone. And so now I began to be really anxious because you know, my, my late wife walked into a hospital with a migraine and she passed away. But then I'm like, she brought a GP friend who was that medical doctor mom for me that I could call on at any time, in any place. School moms like Yin and Joe. Well, Joe's not a mom, but a dad. <laughs> and friends like Edmund and Man and Thomas and many others. I worried about the grace of my children to get better. But I read through Job that in the second half of his life, his daughters were the most beautiful in the land. When I was trying to reimagine life again, I read Proverbs 15, 15, and it says this, For the despondent every day brings trouble, but for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. It was that verse that God worked into my heart that you can dream again. Someone can tell you, but that doesn't get worked into your heart. But when God speaks... He spoke through that problem and says, you know what? You're not going to get it back, but your life can still be a feast. Depends what's in your heart. Life can be a continual feast. And I began to reimagine life again, and I considered dating again. And when I started dating, I was going, this is awkward. Don't know how to do this. 
as a senior pastor. Praise God for COVID. So it's behind the scenes. But then, how do I bring my children along? And then, little did I know, God was working in my children. My youngest one drawing a picture of a mum because he was longing for a mum. Because this redemption is not just about me, but it's about them. I remember talking to my oldest son, and I said, "Oh, what do you think about dad? You know, dating again? Well, why are you still wearing your wedding ring?" That's at the age of eight. And I'm like, God is working in my children as I'm waiting. And then here I am, decided to explore, and I do my time in. I moved from Jealous Park to do my solitude time to now in Hawthorne and Studley Park. And I remember reading that time, and I, then is when I started to date. Okay. And at that time,、uh, here I was in Hawthorne. I, I lived in Montana. Here was Hawthorne, on this side of the Yarra River. And then I was reading about Esther, and I was reading about Ruth, and about how those two books is all about God's providence and the silent hand of God in everyday decisions. It just so happened that Ruth was in Boaz's field. Just so happens. And it just so happened that she was hanging out in Hawthorne on this side when Eugenia lived in Hawthorne on this side. And we had not known each other; we had not path, crossed each other's path. But here, God was orchestrating it. And then we met. But in the meantime, God was working in her heart to go. Well, I marry someone who's got kids. But God had worked that in her heart, and she has been an incredible mother. To my, our children, yeah. Can we give her a hand? Yeah. And I'll finish off with this. I know that is not going to be the outcome for everyone, but I do know that Simeon's waiting is our waiting, because we're waiting for the second coming of Christ. And here, Simeon was said, even though I had seen Jesus. I have looked him as my savior. I do not have to watch him grow and be nurtured. I do not need to watch him in his public ministry, or listen to his teaching, or watch the miracles he will perform. I don't need to see his transfiguration. I don't have to be an eyewitness to the atoning death on the cross of his resurrection from the dead. I have seen all I needed to see in this face, this person Jesus. I have seen the light of salvation. That God has promised to His people, which is the consolation that we've been waiting for. Now that is enough. Let me die. I'm tired. I've endured so much. I've seen the salvation that You have promised. Now I'm not telling everyone to go say I go die, yeah. But it's this sense that He was holding a baby, nothing had changed, but all He needed to see was that, and that was enough. For us, it may not be a baby Jesus, but God has left us the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I hear Amen? That is enough until He comes again. So wait with hope, wait with faith, and wait with confidence. Amen. Let's all rise to our feet. Yeah. And I can call the prayer team to come up.、Um, I just really want to make one call, and then we're going to worship. And then also to invite anyone who wants prayer for whatever it is that you might be waiting for. We just want to be able to wait with you, wait with hope, wait with faith, and lay hands upon you. But the call I want to make is that some of you here, 
I believe there are some people here who do not know this Jesus Christ. And you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and looking for all these things until today, it joined the dots in your head that the thing that you're waiting for cannot be found in just an outcome because you get the outcome, you're going to be waiting again. But what you're waiting for is this relationship with this Jesus. And if that's you, we want to invite you. God is inviting you into that relationship with Him so that you can be at rest in your soul, that your waiting has been done with because it's now been found and rested in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, if that's you, I want to be able to invite you to the front and we want to be able to pray for you as well. So let me just close this and uh, we'll leave it, leave it to the worship team. Lord God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of Simeon and Anna. How they are waiting is in some sense our waiting. And Lord God, we thank you that everything that we need and everything we've been waiting for can be found in you. And we thank you that you're at work behind the scenes in our waiting so that we can wait with hope and we can wait with faith and we can wait with life and joy. And so, Lord God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that resides in us, empowering us to be able to wait with confidence and hope in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.